Hey, what's up, people? I just wanted to interrupt quickly before we start season two. I wanted to say thank you all so much for your support on season one. It made everything so much more incredible, and I cannot thank everybody enough from the bottom of my heart. Sorry it's been so long to get us to season two. I've been away. I've been learning, trying to optimize this podcast to bring you guys the best possible product. Thank you all so much once again. I don't want to take up any of your time. As you've probably seen in the title of this episode, let's get us straight into our conversation with Claire. Claire was phenomenal. One of my favorite podcasts I've ever recorded. And it was so nice to get back into the swing of things. Right, let's run the intro music and get ourselves started. Thank you guys very much for listening. Right, today, episode one, season two, had to start off with a bang. Doesn't get much bigger than 100 plus international caps. Captain of our country. Proud mother, Claire Maxwell from Scottish and Sirens has joined us. Claire, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I was running out of breath there. I tried to get everything in <laughs> once and about halfway through I was going. Right. Like I said, as we, before we got on air, I've been buzzing, looking forward to this for a long time. We have mutual connections that I knew from school, got the conversation rolling and you're finally on the podcast. Took a while, but we got you there. We're going to start with the usual, the quick fires, get everything nice and out in the open, have a chat see what funny questions you've got funny answers that we might have so simple one to start tea or coffee neither neither no oh. are you a cozy juice person are you like a warm ribena no no hot drinks <laughs> no hot drinks at all well we're gonna no. we're gonna have to delve into that there's a psychological room there. night out or a night in which one would you prefer night in Oof. home cooking or a takeaway uh home cooking Oof. If you had to get rid of one tomorrow, would you get rid of netball or would you get rid of dogs? Uh, oh god. Dogs. <laughs> get rid of dogs. Oh, can't get rid of dogs. Not gonna be popular. <laughs> <laughs> right. If you're on a long journey, would you listen to the radio or would you listen to a playlist? Playlist. Oof. We're gonna have to delve deep into that. The fans will know that there's a big question coming at the end of this podcast. Right, a movie or a TV series if you're settling down for the night? TV series. What series are we watching at the moment? Any big ones? Uh, no, no, pretty much finished it. Now I've got a daughter. I don't get much TV. <laughs> <laughs> just one one episode every six weeks, and then you just try to pretty keep much, them. yeah. <laughs> right. If you're trying to get a night out sorted, would you call people or text them or FaceTime? One of the three. Text. See, I'm a caller. It's, I just get stuff sorted. I can't handle twenty different people trying to text something. <laughs> Nah, WhatsApp groups. That's, that's where it all goes around. Oh, trust, trust me, with Do- with Doddy Aid, I was helping out on Doddy Aid, and I've had enough WhatsApp group and chats. Rob Wainwright, if you if the former Scotland captain, he has about sixteen different group chats on the go. He doesn't just reply to the same one; just makes a new group chat. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> right, if you're trying to relax, bath or a shower after a long day. Not like a get clean, like a I'm having time to relax, bath or shower. Shower. Strong. Is it acceptable to wear socks and sliders? Yes or no? No. We're going to follow it. You're, you're going to be off a lot of people's Christmas cards list here. Is it except... Uh, I don't even need to ask you this one now. That's written down. I was going to say, is it acceptable to drink a cold top, cup of tea, but you wouldn't drink it hot, so that doesn't yeah. matter. What is your favourite bit of memorabilia from your time at Netball? Just off the top of your head, a favourite bit of kit or stash that you managed to run away with? Um, Commonwealth Games medal ceremony kit. Nice. That's, a, that's probably the best answer we'll have to that one all season on episode one, so that's good. And last but not least, what is your go-to musical? Oh, Liz Mills. Always a good, yeah. always a good start. Happy. See, 
Simple as that. Quick fire questions, done and dusted. <laughs> so I had the list of questions and we're going to completely scrap them all. How do you not drink hot drinks? <laughs> I don't know. I just do not like them at all. Not even hot chocolate. I know, no. bizarre. I, I want to like it. I feel like it's a social <laughs> drink. Everyone goes, do you want to go for coffee? I'm like, yeah, sure. But I don't actually order coffee. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you do at Winter Wonderland? Like, how do you how do you pose for photos? I've been told it's mandatory to pose with a hot chocolate. Just borrow someone else's, make them stand in the pose. <laughs> that's that's probably best. I would just buy one. To be fair, we were there in Christmas, and it was so cold. I would just hold one. I wouldn't even drink it. Yeah, just... hand warmer. <laughs> <laughs> Most expensive hand warmer you'll buy is a hot chocolate Edinburgh Winter Wonderland. Yeah, hundred percent. Right. So before we get into the questions, I always ask, and I think it's really important. How are you getting on? Just how has life been treating you in the past couple of weeks? Yeah, it's been really good. We're in the thick of the siren season, so it's been awesome to get back in front of fans. Obviously, it's been a long time with COVID, so it's been over two years uh, since we played at home. Um, so yeah, it's been really, really good. Like just getting out on court, and you know, it's starting the build up to come games. So the last couple of weeks have been good. Nice. What's it? What's it like with the build? What was it like when you actually got that game back? I'm completely the the list of questions. I'm just gonna flip the page. The questions are gone. We're just gonna rank. <laughs> That's how podcast every podcast I've ever done. You just go here's a list of questions, and about three sentences in, you just rip it out and just throw it away. What was yeah. that? What was that first game like when you got the fans back and you actually got to hear? You know, when you do the runouts and the team gets announced, you actually get to hear the roar and people clap and cheer. How's that feel? Yeah, it was it was a big game for us. Um, we actually played an international against Barbados in November, mm. and it was very touch and go. Um, initially, we were playing Malawi, and then kind of COVID uh, restrictions kind of put a stop to that and then Barbados were keen but you're always on edge because anything can happen at any point um, in the world at the moment so when that did happen and we played in front of a full crowd at Emirates Arena it was just unbelievable because it was my first game back as a mum we were under a new coach um, I still walked out as captain of the country and yeah we had a packed out packed out crowd and we really put in a performance that we were proud of it, it was a young group um, a new group as well we've got new players in the squad so um yeah it was it was awesome to be honest like it's been a long time it had been since we hadn't played in a scotland dress since the world cup 2019 mm -hmm. so, uh, i can imagine that and then as you said with all the extra stipulations of you returning as a mum captain and it must have been absolutely i reckon it must have felt like that was about three times the size of what it normally was the crowd there yeah yeah it was like <laughs> doing my first cap all over again <laughs> um so yeah did you, did you feel a, a bit in the in the stomach and in the knees was it you really like oh i'm actually quite nervous for this one yeah well it's it's kind of putting you out there and it's the first real test and you don't really know like my body's still <laughs> kind of adapting since birth and you don't really know how you're going to perform it's you know we don't have we didn't have the siren season or anything like that leading into it so it was a bit of an unknown um but no we, we put out good performances so it was a big kind of tick box and it secured our Commonwealth games qualification I was going to say, I remember watching it and I remember, because I did, you know, proper podcast, I doing his research, watch the highlights again to make sure I was watching the right game. But no, I remember watching it and you guys, you wouldn't have known that you guys were sort of praying you got a game and trying to get some physical, get the miles and the legs again. You were all pretty composed. So you hit, you yeah. hit the nerves well if there were nerves. So Yeah, I feel worry. sorry for our background staff because they had so many logistics to try and just kind of work their way through uh, to get the game up and running. But yeah, touch wood. Covid stayed away and uh, the games could go ahead. Commonwealth Games Common this year and then yeah. World Cups the following year, so two two big years coming up. That's that's a pretty hectic schedule. At least in most other sports, you at least get a, a sort of summer off. You guys just now we're just churning through them. Nah, it's yeah, it's, it's full on netball. You don't get much oh. of a break. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Trust me, I, I talking a complete size that I remember at school and we as the rugby team always used to fear the women's netball's coach because <laughs> the stories that came out of that, it was terrifying. I think we I know used... what coach you're talking about. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. I've... No, I'm thinking, I've... there was two, there was two, there was a dance coach in Peoples that was notoriously not brutal as well, but it makes sound like they abused her, which they didn't do. They were very, they were very rigorous with their training, but yeah. They churned out a lot more international stars than the rugby team has, so I think, I think if there was one coach we should probably copy, it was probably her. There you go. Oh, see, we'll get her on, and we'll be like, "What did you do to these kids that scared the living daylights out of them?" <laughs> Made them train hard. <laughs> it, hey, it was. I'll talk. I've got another section about this. So netball is classed as a non-contact sport. I remember in PE when we had to play netball, and we went against people like our mutual friend Lauren Tate. Yeah, all the team like I think I was battered from head to toe. <laughs> like if I had double P and it was netball, I was faking injuries from the weekend. I was like, oh, coach, the knee's quite sore from rugby. I might have to sit this one out and stuff like that. Just walking, I'll do the passing drills. That's all I do. Yeah, people are so shocked. I mean, when they come and watch us live, they kind of get taken aback. But if you're actually on court against us, then you really do realise it's pretty ferocious out there. Similar to basketball, I mean, it's classed as a non-contact sport as well, but it really isn't. You know, there's a lot of contesting for the ball and we train full-time, so, you know, everyone's kind of athletic and strong and we'll go hard for the ball without pulling out. Mm -hmm. Quick question on that. I have it written down here and I've just put in block capitals, knee pads, question mark. Why do none of you wear knee pads? Because I've watched, like, I'm a guy with knee injuries, right? I don't play rugby anymore because of knee injury. And every time I see one of you just go smack bang. onto the floor and I just I wince with pain I think oh my god you must be in so much pain right now yeah we try and stay on our feet as much as we can but if we are going to hit the floorboards we try and bounce back up and just knock it off and pretend it didn't happen <laughs> I, I respect that but I wouldn't like just I wouldn't recommend your kneecaps as the source to bounce from. <laughs> oh, I would be I would, I would your physio must be walking around like teeth chattering yeah, every, we time, every time he sees one of you and he just see, I just see all these ankles and knees I would be watching games through my hand as a physio yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a it's a hardcore sport um, yeah, and I'm, it's just I'm, even I'm like the that. impact on your bones never mind if you fall over or you hit the deck but just the kind of sprinting at full speed then having to stop yeah. um, when you receive the ball and not move you know it's it is demanding on your body for sure I know you must invest a lot in frozen peas <laughs> yeah, back. I've had a couple of injuries in my in my career, so <laughs> just, just a one or two. In the freezer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. So we're gonna delve right deep into the start. How did you end up at netball? Was it a school thing? Was it later in life, or was it age five or younger? Just I'm gonna play netball. Yeah, I was really fortunate. So I'm from the middle of nowhere up in Aberdeenshire, and uh, my mum was a volunteer coach at my local primary. Um, my older sister played as well, so she coached me at primary school, so I started about P5. Right. I loved that. Played in the wee netball festivals, just within the local kind of country, country primary schools up there. And then my mum also coached the local club. So me, my mum and my sister at one point all played in the same team once I was old enough to play in the adult league. So that was quite cute. But yeah, I basically followed their footsteps and uh, my mum was my main taxi driver. It took me, took me to all the sports, but especially netball. I can imagine you had the very same down here in the borders. There's not a lot of, not a lot of buses and communal routes, so a lot of mums have put a lot of wear and tear in roads and cars and miles yeah, upon she, miles of petrol. Yeah, she had that, and then I was I did swimming when I was younger. So she not only did she have to do the taxi, and she also had to do the 
early wake up calls as well. So she got the short straw having a sporty daughter that picks pretty too demanding sports. I was gonna say they're too they're not two sports that you just sort of rock up on a Saturday for either. That's a... no. No wonder, no wonder you can play netball. They were sprinting to stop. Like you, you were learning to play the sport without breathing. So, yeah, <laughs> like play sport. It always sounds weird when somebody says you play the sport of swimming. You compete in swimming. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, how did that? I want to talk about that. That's that's quite cool. I remember my old man always used to say, was like, "I'd love to play rugby." Ben and he's like forty years older than me and my brothers. But he's like, "Oh, I'll play rugby." I was like, "Dad, if it ever gets to the position where you and I are on the same pitch." Either you're incredible or I've done something horribly wrong in my rugby career. But what was it like what was it like getting to play with your mum and your sister just standing? I mean, I know like you said it wasn't the biggest stage of them all, but it must have felt quite a special moment. No, it was really cool. Like, um my mum's a really good player, um, and netball and she competes for the Scottish Masters at hockey, so she's really athletic, so you know, you could actually look up to her and I was I was really young in the adult league as well, so I was only right. fifteen, sixteen at the time. Uh, we all played different positions, so that helped. It wasn't competitive in terms of me getting on court over someone else. So it balanced out the team pretty well. And, you know, being from the country, you don't always have the same depth um, or the range of teams that you could play for. So, uh, no, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it was good fun. I have good, good memories of playing up, up north. No, that must have been. I like how you really, under, you really understood my mum. like, my mum was local team coach. Like, she was also masters hockey, and she was very, yeah. very good. But yeah, my she was just local team coach. <laughs> God, I'll have, to, I'll have to get your mum's number after this, and we'll get her on as well. We'll be like, right, tell us about how you managed to coach greatness, and then decided to do it yourself as well. Yeah, yeah. So, does your mum now that your mum's still got a few points, does she still phone you or text you after the game and has been like, oh, you see, in the fifty-eight minutes, you should have done this? Or... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think uh, she's my biggest critic sometimes, but, well, I'm probably my own biggest critic, and she's maybe second. But no, she comes to every game, like, she's travelled the world uh, wherever we played. I don't think she's missed a cap um, that I've played internationally, so that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, I was when say, she's got especially when you read the on. list of where you've been, that's a very impressive stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sometimes <laughs> they have to pick which, which of their um, daughters or sons they need to go, go and watch play at the weekend, but... Um, no, she's followed my netball career and she knows the game well. So after the game, you always get a an honest analysis of the performance of the team. <laughs> Keeps you humble. I like that. Exactly. <laughs> you'll, have, you'll have people on Sky Sports raving about you and you'll be like, ah, like six out of ten. Expect to see more next week. Do not remember that pass you didn't make. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's always the way that parents will always just be, they'll just try to keep you humble a bit. They'll be like, we saw you throw that one into Rose Ed by accident. You'll be like, oh, well. Yeah. Well, they, they're the ones that make you great half the time, so... Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If your mum hadn't coached you from the very start, you wouldn't be playing for Scotland, maybe. So. No, probably not. <laughs> so the very first—I know we spoke a bit about how when COVID came back. I want to talk about your very first game for Glasgow when you represent them for the very first time. How does that feel like on a nurse? Because obviously, it is a massive sport in the UK. It's a massive sport in the world, but in the UK specifically, I think it's the leading women's team sport in terms of popularity, netball. So yeah. do these do these thoughts start to creep into your brain when you get the debut and you think, oh, I'm playing quite a big sport here. Like, there's cameras that have Sky Sports written across them when I go attend some of these games. Yeah, no, it's um, it's bizarre how much netball has come on since I started. So I think I've been in the national team for 13, 14 years now. So I'm showing my age, very old in the <laughs> national squad in comparison to all the youngsters. But when we first started, our world ranking was down at maybe like 18th in the world. Um you know, netball players weren't paid, um, mm. you were having to do a lot of travel, and then Glasgow Wildcats kind of came about, which was the first franchise team within the UK league. 
Um, so that that was big, but netball wasn't as big as it is right now. And as I say, you didn't get paid at the time, um, even competing in this UK league, which was scored on, uh, shown on Sky TV. Um, and it was a shock to the system. That first game, we got thrashed, to say the least. Um, I mean, we went in with a lot of confidence, but the reality of how good the league is in the UK really kind of stood up and made us know that if we're going to be in this league, we need to work hard. So we lasted three years, um, and then the league decided to go a different direction, being an England netball-based league. So then I travelled to Team Bath, played for them for a couple of years um, after the World Cup in 2015. And then there was a the big breakthrough when Strathclyde Sirens, the Glasgow-based franchise, um, broke back into the league. Uh, mm -hmm. But by that point, there was money in netball, nowhere near as much money as there should be, or you can't compare it by any means to the likes of rugby or football. You know, a lot of people are still um, part-time part -time athletes, but work, you know, training full-time. Mm -hmm. And you were getting full crowds. So our first game for Strathclyde Sirens, we sold out the main arena at Emirates. So there was over 4,000 people watching an indoor sport of netball in the UK, um, which was the biggest ever that we've had. So that was just incredible. And as you say, you know, having Sky TV and it's, you know, a lot more analysed by public. Like you've got your Twitter and you've got your Instagram and, you know, you've got everyone putting in their own kind of opinions and thoughts on it and everything's analysed that bit more. There is a lot more pressure on how you perform nowadays before you probably could have played a game and not many people spoke about it. Whilst now there's that real netball community and as you mentioned, netball is the number one female sport in the UK. So it's really going places. The league is really taken off. The standard within the league is getting better and better. Um, there's kind of lots of international players come over and play in our league as well. So it's a really exciting place for netball. I think we can grow, continue to grow. But considering where it was when I first started, I couldn't imagine, like, if you asked me where netball would go or if I would get paid for netball, I would never believe you. And now mm -hmm. it's at this stage when we're on regular TV slots on Sky TV, athletes are paid. Um, yeah, and it's a really good standard. I was going to say, well, you were talking about being a part-time athlete there. I read somewhere you were a PE teacher at one point as well where you were playing. Yeah, I still am a PE teacher. I'm still on maternity leave, so I'm stretching that out as long as I can. But <laughs> no, I'm a full-time PE teacher. Um, I oh, stopped wow. when I went down to Bath. Uh, right. Well, the first year I commuted to Bath was teaching. Second year I moved to Bath because I realised commuting was hard. Um, I was going to say, not, that's a trip. <laughs> yeah, not great for a performance sport. So, yeah, I took a little bit of a break from that. But no, I still I still teach full-time. Um, there's a couple more teachers in our team. There's a lawyer in our team. Um, yeah, <laughs> we're hard-working girls. We have to get up very early in the morning, train, work, then go back to training at night. So it, it's demanding. Right. Uh, so what does what does a what does a daily routine look like for you then? If it wasn't if I wasn't on maternity leave for the girls yeah. at the moment, Monday morning we get uh, it's like speed and agility. Right. It that's at like seven in the morning, and then are these are these like team sessions or are these individuals? Because in in the rugby background that I'm used to, the women I spoke to the women on the last season's pod, uh, Rona and Sarah they explained so a lot of their training is they go away and then they come back for periods like. If they were going to the Commonwealth, they'd come back for a couple of weeks and train as a group then. Or is yours team sessions every every day? It's a little bit complicated in terms of like the national team. You do have players kind of spread across the UK. We've also got a couple of players overseas at the moment as well. Mm. Um, but the players that are based in Scotland are part of the Institute of Sport. So right. if you're based in Scotland, part of the Institute of Sport, then typically it's like a supervised session and you are in together um, as right. a group. 
Um, so we do do quite a lot of collective training, probably more than um, other sports would. And it's also because a lot of our athletes are based kind of central belt. So we can actually tag in and kind of train together. Um, so yes, yeah, so it does differ per, uh, per sport, I guess, but we are in a reasonably fortunate position in terms of the Institute of Sport put on supervised sessions, which really helps us. Um, but yeah, we do speed Monday morning, go to work, return for weights at night, Tuesday morning's recovery, work, court session at night, Wednesday is strength in the morning, so at times initial top up of conditioning at night, and then Thursday's court, Friday is a seven o'clock netball session, and then followed by weights, and then Saturday typically game day. So yeah. I'd be living, if that was me, I'd be living for Sundays. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Sunday rest day. Yeah. I wouldn't even Sunday open my cur- I wouldn't even open my curtains on a Sunday. I'd just be <laughs> keeping them shut. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's I can't even imagine. Like I, I joke that I've got a lot of free time now, and then I see whenever I talk to you guys, especially the part-time athletes, I just realise there's so many hours in the day that I do not utilise to their full potential. Yeah, well, I now realise that as a mum, how much free hours I had previously, and that's why I'm full time netball and work. So you, you, you must be living for weight sessions. You're like, get me, get me to the gym. I'll go there. <laughs> I know that's what a lot of people say. That's your that my kind of me time release time. But um, when you're tired, sometimes that's the last place you want to get to because you've been on the go all day with a daughter that runs about the house. So yeah, you should just as honestly bring her for shuttle sessions on a Monday. That's what I'd be doing. <laughs> Well, the poor girl ends up coming to my uh, 7 a.m. court session on a Friday morning when we were playing netball. In the first few sessions, it was fine. She just slept through them, so she was quiet, no baller. Right. But the last maybe three or four sessions, she's been awake during them. Oh, no. So uh, <laughs> it's been interesting. The poor Our coach, Leslie, um, <laughs> has had to hold her, was coaching <laughs> a few times because she just she won't just sit on the ground, you know. She needs entertained or, yeah, held, so... It's an interesting session on a Friday morning, but the girls quite like it. It puts a smile on their yeah. face when they're tired from uh, getting up that early. I was going to say, like, a nice, smiley, happy baby always lifts the room, so. <laughs> yeah, no, it gives a different <laughs> edge to it, that's for sure. The girls <laughs> love it. She's she's part of the team. Exactly. Well, that's what I was about to say about you guys getting to do team sessions as well. That that must help with confidence and generating, like, optimism in the team, getting to still train together, because I can imagine nothing worse than getting sent to your own local gym by yourself and told to do shuttles or... A wait session at 6am yeah no definitely it's a uh, part of kind of the reason why we fell in love with netball is the people people in the sport and being part of a team and the kind of bigger common goal and as you say you you don't want to let your teammates down like so that is actually part of your motivation and going going to wait and there's a bit of chat and kind of lift each other up um mm-hmm. it'd be very different if they weren't there um so no it is we're very grateful that we have each other and it is a supervised session because, yeah, it can be brutal if you're on your own, kind of churning it out, day in, day out, pushing yourself. Yeah, especially if you then have to deal with children after, because I know from that I was a smart-ass child, so <laughs> I I don't think my teachers would give me the time of day if they'd been in the gym since six and then had to put up with me. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it works in your favour because you're a bit more awake for that period one class, because <laughs> when you don't go to the gym beforehand, you're kind of half, half asleep still. <laughs> is, it, is it high school you teach us, though? It's PE, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah high school being... teacher. <laughs> you're a braver woman than I am. Obviously. I mean, I'm a you're a braver woman than I'm a braver man. I'm glad you guys get to do stuff. As I think I cannot. I cannot explain how important I think the team aspect is to sport and then when you hear about these paid athletes having to go away to get stuff done so 
I'm glad that they still put that stuff on for you, the Netball Association. So when the, as you, you, you've, you took me nicely onto the next point with the Sirens joining as the franchise rejuvenated, what was that like when, were you guys getting calls? Like, did you have friends that were playing around the league and you were getting, have you heard about the Sirens, like the whispers of the Sirens team getting called up or? Yeah, I think it was really competitive. I think there was quite a few different teams that bidded to try and get into the league. It was well known that there was going to be a shake-up. We weren't sure how many teams. It was all kind of kept quite hush-hush. And at that point, I was uh, dating my current, my husband, um, and he was up based in Glasgow. And I was like, oh, what do I want to do? I'm down in Bath. Do I stay in Bath? Do I move back home? So when Sirens did get the green light and we were in the league, I got a very good uh, phone call to say, we want we want you signed. Um, so I signed. I was the first player to sign for Strathclyde Sirens. So that was super exciting. Um, and we had a really, really, really strong team in that first year. I really wish we finished slightly higher a couple of games went by our wayside which we really should have won but um it was really exciting um I think we did a great job in that first year getting it off the ground because it can be tough you know getting new sponsors on board starting from fresh mm -hmm. when other teams have been in the league for 10 plus years and really had that time to grow um but no it, it was an exciting time um, and I think it came at the right time and there's so many like talented youth players in Scotland that are just beginning to step up and really kind of stamp their authority in the league. Amazing. So how did it feel, as like you said, you, you were the first signing. I assume, I'm dog, I'll put words in your mouth, you don't have to say this, but I assume you were kind of like a headline attraction of if we get Scotland captain to represent the Glasgow franchise. Because you would have been, based on my notes, you would have been captain around that time, 2000. Yeah, you would have been captain. Yeah. Or just becoming. But yeah, so you would have been quite a headline. So did, that, did they say that to you when they were signing? You're like, you're going to be on the posters, you're going to be the front of the programmes, things like that. Yeah, I think they were pretty keen because um, they knew I was kind of between two franchises, uh, franchises at the time and I was a bit split in terms of whether to go to Team Bath or Strathclyde Sirens and they wanted to have homegrown talent in as well. Like, yeah. you know, they're putting a lot of resources and funding into it. They also want to develop it so it's a platform for the national team as well. Um, and I think I was one of maybe there might have been two of us that were currently in the league and everyone else wasn't currently playing in this kind of top flight league um so they were pretty keen to sign me so that was you know lovely to hear um from that point of view and you know i was equally as excited to come home and you know be part of this new chapter and it's a chapter that's definitely growing we're now in our fifth season um and last season we had some of our best results so it's definitely getting bigger and better every year Ah, well, I'm glad to hear that. And like you said, if you can create a platform and if you can see it, if you can see it, then you can be it. So that was probably a bit of importance. And how does how does the netball league structure work in the UK? So obviously you've got the Super League at the very top. Is it just is it just the same? Just sort of then you go to a national. Does it become a Scotland only league and England only league, Welsh only, or does it and then just filter its way down? Because unfortunately, with sports like that. Like, you know, the big ones, football, there's like 1,700 different football games on the telly every night. So you know exactly how a kid goes from age five to starting for Celtic. But you don't really know how these other sports come about. You just kind of see the best of the best and you go, oh, you need a, you, somebody just pulls your name out of a hat, it feels like. Yeah, no, we're, so we're part of the UK league. And then mm -hmm. underneath that in England, they have their own league, which we're not part of, right. um, called the Prem League. Um, up in Scotland, we've really been working hard to develop our pathway. So... It's not such a big jump from playing locally or nationally to then playing this English Super League, which is full of amazing talent from across the world. So we're really trying to bridge that gap and give people 
you know, more opportunity and more exposure, especially because not all our national athletes are in the Strathclyde Sirens team because we do have girls from abroad and we have girls from England as well within that team to make sure our team's competitive. So we've de- to kind of developed this Strathclyde Sirens development team. So they play friendlies that we organise right. against potentially other franchises who it might be their kind of youth squads or it might just be kind of pre-season games. So we do try and expose as many athletes within our pathway to it, but they're not part of a registered league. Um, and then they try and pick up games as much as they can, either in our squad play um, or kind of through their university teams and different kind of avenues that they can. So there is still work to be done there, but they have been working extremely hard behind the scenes this past year in particular to try and improve that pathway system into Strathclyde Sirens or into the national team. So as I say, you don't have like such a big jump. All right. That's well. At least it sounds like you're getting a like they're getting a development through that. Yeah. And it's, it's, and, it's like, and it's like you said when you look back at where something was ten years ago, to you wouldn't believe what it is now, and then you won't believe what it is in another five years. Yeah. Some of the girls are so lucky in terms of like they've come into it and they have the institute support and they have some financial funding to you know if you're a Strathclyde saying some help there financially. Um, they're playing in the top league or there's a pathway to get to the top league. Plus. We weren't even part of the Institute of Sport when like I first came in. So, you know, they are in a really fortunate position. Hopefully they are fully aware of that. Um, but at the same time they're in a really exciting because I think there's still a long way to grow. Um mm-hmm. so that for some of them, where they're gonna be at in another five, ten years is gonna be incredible. <laughs> are you gonna look to it sounds like you've got quite the smart head on you for netball as well as the the PE background probably gives you good help of how to run a it's almost like a big P department, isn't it? You kind of got the yeah. the heads department, you come in, the P teachers, and then, so is that something you're going to look to go into? I know you're not, I'm not talking about you, like you're going to retire tomorrow, you've got a long way to go before somebody could <laughs> bash enough for retiring. But, um, yeah, are you looking to go into that when you get on? Are you going to stay in netball after you, after you yes. Um, I've been really fortunate. So I have done some coaching work um, in the past. So I've coached under 17, under 19s, and under 21 Scotland age groups, went to the under 21 World Cup. World Youth Cup um, back in 2017, I think that was. And then the last previous two seasons, I was assistant coach for Strathclyde Sirens. Um, mm-hmm. One, because I was on maternity leave, was last year and the previous year just because of experience that I had. So coaching is a passion of mine. Um, yeah, to be honest, I would love to coach my daughter's team. Like she's still obviously a baby just now, but if she... That's, that's why she's at the 7am sessions. <laughs> No, if she decides to kind of pick up netball, um, you know, I would love to set up a little local club, like just within mm-hmm. my area, um, starting quite young. Cause I think we start them reasonably old in a lot of clubs. So, so I'd love to set up a, like an under nines team and then just kind of grow it and take them through the age group. So that's a kind of back burner little like aim I would have um, for mm-hmm. her and our, like, our wee friendship groups and stuff. So um, I definitely won't be far away from netball. Um, I've done performance coaching. Where I go in the next kind of five, ten years, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> That's sirens. Happened. You're yeah, not going anywhere. Sirens. We can't, we yeah. can't send you, we're not sending you down south. You're staying at the sirens. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Hey, oh, we'll be there. Me and me and Bruce Aitchison, he loves his netball. He does. You, you must does. know Bruce, actually. He's thinking yes. about teachers. He's a big fan. He brings his daughter to the game. So, yeah. yeah. If you go to the sirens, that'll break his heart. And trust me, he's a very emotional <laughs> man. 
Oh, there you go, Bruce. You've managed to get another shout out on my podcast, even though yeah. I copied you in creating a podcast. But <laughs> happiness is actually, we, we might tag you, we might not. <laughs> so, right, I want to talk about, so you, you, you did quite well there. You were explaining the pathways and how this level sort of increases and how you try to expose people. Talk to me about fast the fast five, because basically from what I can tell, that was, we're going to take the elite of the elite and just put them against each other. Like, there's no such thing as a day off. You're going against the best of the best every single time. Yeah, it's fun, Fast Fives. Um, so it's kind of an entertaining version of netball. So five mm-hmm. aside, it's very fast, short games. Um, there's different rules in it. So they put in different scoring system for goals. And then at one point within the game, there's a two-minute period when you get double points for your goals. <laughs> so if you score a five-point goal, which is from outside the circle, yeah. it equals 10 points within that two-minute period. Um <laughs> So yeah, it's really exciting. It's kind of it's a shooters game, so shooters do well. Centers, which is the position I play at fast side, it's a running game because you don't have the other two players on the wing to support you. So you're up and down doing a lot of shuttles. But um, I, was, I was about to say, you as a center slash wing defense must have really loved it when they explained those rules to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know you're in for a running session, but you can tag tag in, tag off. So it's more like a team, like. Maybe you're right. on, only on the court for maybe three or four minutes at a time, then you switch in and out quite frequently. Um, so yeah, you you pretty much play everyone and see how far in the competition you go. Um, so yeah, we we love it. It's just great fun. It's usually in the preseason. Um, the fans love it. It's unpredictable. Um, you know, it's a, a version of the game they're still exploring. Like we want to get netball in the Olympics. Yeah. Whether that'll be the traditional game of netball, a mixed game of netball, or fast five game of netball, we don't know. But you know, one of our kind of aims as world netball is to make an Olympic sport. Um, so yeah, fast five is one of those games that may may be up for discussions. We don't know yet. Well, you talk that I that is another section I had on the thrown away piece of paper that went to pot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I cannot. When I was doing my research, and I was I was kind of aware it wasn't a, an Olympic sport, but you know you always double check. I was like, how is this not an Olympic sport? Because you think if you can take bloody football in where they don't even send the best players to the Olympics, you've got to have you've got to have netball where they would try and live for that. Absolutely, I hundred percent agree. Nah. Well, you've got one signature here. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll sign the petition. Yeah, we would honestly love it to be an Olympic sport like. The Commonwealth Games and World Cup, they're amazing, but to be an Olympic sport is really something we strive for. Um, it's one of our aims. Um, unfortunately, some of the kind of major countries in the world don't all recognise netball as much as a sport. Like They don't have the same mm-hmm. awareness of what it is and maybe don't have leagues within their country. Um, so unfortunately, that's what kind of stops us at the moment from being able to be- become an Olympic sport. But the Olympics have been held in Australia in 2032. So that is our main aim. Obviously, is, Australia, they're, they're number one in the yeah, it is circled. They're number one in the world, and we really would love, even if it's a pilot event for the following Olympics, but to have an opportunity at that that games, mm-hmm. um, because it is grown across the world. Um, you know, there's more and more countries taking up the sport, and to be part of something like the Olympics, it's only going to increase. Um, the audience within the world and hopefully kind of generate an interest in maybe countries that aren't so familiar with it. Exactly. Well, look at the success of basketball. Basketball had that, they did like a three-on-three one and it was the most yeah. watched event at the, at the Olympics. Yeah. And even like netball, like at the Commonwealth Games, it was the mm-hmm. event that sold out the quickest by exactly. miles. Um, so yeah, it, I think it will have, particularly in some countries, it certainly has a demand for tickets 100%. 
Yeah. Well, like you said, Australia, they're not, they are, well, they're technically world champions. They're not, no. No, they're number no, one as well. But New yeah, Zealand New, Ze- New Zealand beat them in the in the World Cup final. But uh, no, they are number one in the world. We had World Cup in twenty fifteen was in Australia, mm-hmm. and it was so that crowd all the time um, in the Olympic Park in Sydney. So yeah, the demand will definitely be there in Australia without a doubt. You see, you see, if you're campaigning for, I just send them that one sentence. Just go, we sold out the Olympic Park. Yeah. <laughs> like, Easily, there's not, not, like, not many more reasons to fund an Olympic event, is there? Exactly. <laughs> no, it really, yeah, it really would be a major step for netball if it if it could be an Olympic sport. Would that be the if if they did get announced at twenty thirty two Australia? Would you be like, I'm going, come hell or high, come hell or high water, I'm there. No, I don't have the legs in me to last long. <laughs> I'm too old. Just, you've only got another ten years. It'll be fine. We'll just <laughs> lots more frozen peas. That's all you need. Yeah, just fill my freezer just now. Stock up. I was gonna say, maybe maybe only seventy five percent in the sprints on the Monday. Just, just conserve yeah. a bit of energy. But Start I'm sure, I'm sure if you said to Lizzie, like I'm twenty thirty two, I'll be good to go. If you just let me have, let me do six instead of seven reps here, I'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll work it into a contract somewhere. As long as it's at the sirens, that's fine. Exactly. So, completely talking about you staying at the Sirens, I'm now going to ask you about your time at Loughborough as the Fast Five champ, now that you've explained Fast Five to me. Because <laughs> Loughborough, I reckon everybody that walks around Loughborough must be able to get a 15 on the pleat test and not even bat an eyelid. Because every person that I've ever known that's lived in Loughborough is a professional athlete at some sort of level. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, city, Loughborough, because <laughs> nothing against Loughborough, but there's not a, it's not a big city with a huge amount of things to do, but it is the centre of uh, athletic development, you know, with the university in particular, bringing in a lot of athletes from a range of sports as well. It's not just one particular sport. So, you know, Loughborough won the league last year and they're also the reigning uh, Fast Five champion. So not this time, but the previous time for Fast Fives, um, they gave me a phone call to see if I would... Uh, compete for their team so that was great fun because I'm used to competing against those girls and for the first time I actually played on the same team as them is Sarah Bayman who's a former England internationalist but she also played for Strathclyde Sirens one year she was the coach um Mm -hmm. and yeah it was a it was a great event it was a lot of fun and to get all the way to the final and and when it was a, a great achievement it was it sounds impressive but I'm reckoning the nightlife's not quite as good as Glasgow that would be my that would be my selling point no, not many places beat Glasgow, I don't think, for uh, culture. <laughs> I think that must be the most true statement in this whole podcast that we're going to say today. <laughs> Glasgow City culture. <laughs> yeah. So, how's, how is it at a World Cup when, as we've spoken about all these pressures coming on with the, the spotlights, the TVs, the deals, the sirens, when it gets to the World Cup and you are Scotland captain, and like you say, you've brought all these players in who are situated around the UK trying to get a game maybe it's financial benefits or work benefits has put them where they are. How does that go? And then like, you, like you're in Liverpool, which is, it's not Scotland that you're not going to get many closer, closer places yeah. for a world cup. Um, how do these, how do these rack up in terms of lifelong memories? Do they, is it, could you recall it and draw a picture for me if I asked you to right now or. Yeah. It, it, it become blurry. It's that much. Of no, pretty much. Like I can remember a lot of kind of key moments from that competition because it is a standout event. Like I've done two Commonwealth Games, two World Cups, and I've been fortunate that I've done a home Commonwealth Games and a away one, a home well, an English uh, 
World Cup, UK based, and our away World Cup as well. And the home ones are just out of this world. Like a lot of people are like, oh, where's the next Commonwealth Games? And I'll say Birmingham. And they're like, oh, that's a shame. And I'm like, no, I'm so buzzing for it to be in the UK because it brings a whole other element to it. Like having that home support, having people who know you in the crowd, people willing you on, like it is the best feeling. And it's sold out. Like the atmosphere in Glasgow and in Liverpool was just unbelievable. And yeah, Liverpool was special. Like the England team in particular, they couldn't leave their hotel room. Like they couldn't go out for coffee because their hotel they were staying in was bombarded by fans 24 Mm seven, like outside the door. Um, I remember their captain Serena was trying to leave in disguise. So like she's got like quite big um kind of afro kind of hair, yeah. and she had like her hood up, sunglasses on, like all this random clothing on, just to try and escape. Because as much as like you're in this amazing bubble, you also kind of need downtime, so you're not hyped up the whole time or stressed. You know, you need that time to relax because the competition lasts ten days. Um, but they couldn't. They were. Oh, mobbed by fans so their hotel they were staying in was only maybe like 400 meters from the venue so a lot of countries were just walking to the venue you couldn't go via a back door into it and uh, they couldn't they had to get into like taxis or a team bus and even at that they were mobbed just going from like the hotel door to the bus um so it was an unbelievable experience there was loads of media at it as i say it was sold out um, people knew who you are, so it was a really good vibe. Liverpool was a brilliant country, uh, city to be held in as well. Um, so yeah, you're, no, you're like, almost like the country there. They they consider themselves <laughs> their own country. So. <laughs> no, I mean Liverpool's probably the English version of Glasgow, isn't it? It's got got good vibes down there. Yeah, very scouts not English is what they say, is it not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I've. If, if people are happy and they do it right, then I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell them how to live their lives. They seem exactly. to be happy. I can't imagine I can't imagine the thought of playing a World Cup, even though it technically not being my home country, being so close. Like you say, it's what four hour car, two hour train. Yeah, not far. So, yeah. yeah, it's not it's not exactly out with the realms of possibility for people to travel. People travel further in Scotland than more rugby. So yeah, no, no, it's exciting. Like to have Birmingham coming up, we already know there's so much home support kind of coming down they're booking up accommodation um as quickly as they can to make sure that they have the best time down there but um so there's gonna be a lot of support at that as well and yeah it's super exciting to see how we do on the world stage good and will the daughter be front and center on the on the team bench yeah totally, yeah totally she, she's coming down um good luck to my husband because he'll be on her own his own with a uh, Lucy who'll be over one years old at that point so she'll be keen to try and like walk about and <laughs> see different things but um yeah it'll be an amazing experience to have them both there well I can't wait I can't wait to watch it I think it will be grand so we've spoken about netball talked about you as a netball player obviously people are much more than just what they do as an athlete the whole premise of the podcast find out so what do you guys as athletes do when you are not working when you are not being a very responsible, proud mother, being a professional <laughs> centurion calf athlete for you. Do you do anything besides sleep or have you mastered sleeping standing up yet? Or <laughs> Depends if you talk about my pre-mum life or my mum life. Nah, um, downtime's so important. Like, I would say I play my best netball when my life away from netball's been my happiest, like no, 100%. 
And then I can see that in other, now I'm a bit older, a bit more mature as an athlete, I can see that in so many other people. Like I can see how people's performances are actually better when their home life is, like they're really happy with it and really settled with what's going on away from netball. So it's really, really important to have that split life because you yeah. can't be in that netball bubble mindset the whole time because it's too intense. It'll just wear you down and then it'll, you know, have negative effects. So yeah, for me, I just, I'm pretty chilled to be honest. Like, I like cinema. I love food. Love going out for food. Um, yeah, foodie. Yeah, just I like that. I just like that. It's the social like out for food. I love playing stuff like silly stuff like crazy golf and you know just doing stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's important you have that time um, because you are away a lot as well. So you want to have that time that you can spend with your friends and you know chat nonsense and and not be in the kind of netball mindset. So does Claire Maxwell have any hobbies when she is in her downtime? Do you have any, are you a painter? Are you not nah. just foodie? Have you, set, yeah. have, you set up a, have you set up the food Instagram page yet? That sounds like something no. that's <laughs> I'm not that extreme with it. No, I like going out for brunches and you know, dinners and different things. Um, yeah, I don't mind a bit of baking. I can do a bit of baking. You, you um, must have been thriving in the past two years then. How many, yeah, how many banana breads has your yeah. husband had to eat in the past couple of years? Mm. Yeah, they're so tasty as well. You literally, yeah. if you're stuck in the house, you end up eating it very quickly. But um, and, it's, and it's bananas, so it's healthy. That's yeah, what I'd be telling the that's, that's exactly what I tell myself as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was trying to make healthy versions of it, you know, banana and all, all those kind of recipes. But um, yeah, in lockdown, it certainly kind of opened your eyes to different things. I enjoy other sports as well, like going to watch other sports. We set up like a mini tennis court on our back garden All it's right. not a massive back garden we're certainly not posh by any extent but um, i borrowed like a net a badminton net from school and just tied it from one side to the other and we got we our tennis rackets out and just did like little short tennis and stuff you know just to kill some time that's, have a bit of fun so that was that's, good fun. that's that's the most pt teacher thing I've ever heard there. <laughs> <laughs> just i i will be given the basic necessities in terms of equipment and i will make, make a game kind of out of this yeah competitive game i like competition <laughs> That's, if it's not if it's not compared, it's not. Uh, our family couldn't even play swing ball without it turning into like a row. And yeah, we like, like, the, Oh, do you remember like those old bats they had for swing ball? And they were like they were kind of like they weren't like court, they were, like plastic. Like yeah, I know so exactly the ones you're talking those, about. Yeah. Like those things leave a mark when they start getting used as weapons, <laughs> not as rackets. They are. <laughs> yeah, that sounds very similar to my upbringing. We were very competitive, and as the same, monopoly is a no-no in our house. We try, we try once a year at Christmas, and after about two hours, it's done. Yeah. No, no, yeah. yeah Christmas is ruined because nobody's speaking to each other. <laughs> exactly. So, so, um, what was I going to talk about next? Yeah, the clear outside of netball. Um, you said yourself must get times out. You guys watch a lot of other sports. Do you do you get to communicate with a lot of other female athletes from Scotland or England that do other sports? Um, as a PE teacher, you must have met a few, because I know a few that are other PE teachers. Yeah, they? yeah, I've met a couple through kind of PE teaching and also through the industry of sport. So mm -hmm. pre kind of COVID times, you were in like the Scottish women hockey team. They were in a lot, and a few yeah. of the footballers, um, like Joe Love, etc. They they trained at the same time as us because kind of similar to us. Unfortunately, a lot of female sports are still kind of part time, so a lot of them are working. So they've been the similar kind of. Mm -hmm. 6.30am, 7am slots in the morning doing their weights training at the Institute of Sports. So you cross paths with them, but it's, it's a kind of good way to network as well because 
as much as our sports are different, you still need that fundamentals of being an athlete and being strong and robust. And yeah, it's good to share share different people's stories as well. Is there any is there any athletes you've seen doing something like you know when you hear all these stories about LeBron James and stuff and they spend days in cryo chambers and things like that? Have you ever seen any any little tricks of the trade going on in like locker rooms or stuff like that? You think I'm going to pinch that that little recovery <laughs> method? No, no, not not in the institute to be honest. But I used to swim with Hannah Miley. Um, I don't know if you know her, but she, yeah, that's a bit of competition there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's a much better swimmer than me, but she really looked outside the box. Like her dad was our coach um, right. at swimming and continued to coach her during kind of her Olympic career and stuff. But she looked out the box in terms of loads of different ways that she could get like small one percenters for swimming. Um, but she would do things like rock climbing. I'm pretty sure she slept in those kind of like tents, you know, the kind of gas, not gas chamber, but the that definitely like air, air deprivation yeah. or ones. Yeah. yeah, it impacted your oxygen levels. So she would kind of look outside the box and do all those kind of quirky little <laughs> little things um, to try and get her one percenters for for swimming. So you do hear do hear of some uh, stories that are quite interesting. <laughs> Oh, I've heard some random. I heard there was one. Um, it was a basketball player. He used to wear, you know, the little things you get when you get a pedicure, and it like stops your toes touching yeah, the floor. Yeah, He would wear those around his house to make sure he didn't like strain his toes or something random like that. Oh wow! Apparently, apparently strains in the top of your foot. Oh. It was, you know, when you're scrolling through TikTok at three in the morning, you're like, I should be in bed. <laughs> it was like the secret to such and such success is in his pedicure or something like that. Oh wow. Well, there was always that chat a lot of footballers did like ballet like Hendrik Larsson and stuff he used to yeah. do ballet um and it helped his kind of body composition and strength and all the rest of it so yeah uh, there's he, some interesting he, he, he did all right didn't he so I know <laughs> oh, right I think we're getting pretty close to the end actually there Claire you've smashed all my questions and you've given such an insight I love I love getting people on with the sports I don't know about because I get to ask all the silly questions there's and nobody no can tell me not to ask it. That's, that's the PE teacher. <laughs> no such thing as a question. Only the ones that you don't want to ask. So we're going to end it with my favourite section. It turns out to not be my guest favourite section by the time the podcast gets aired. But it's called Under the Team Bus. Very similar to the quickfire questions. Except this time, instead of answering which one you'd prefer, you ask which one of your teammates comes to your mind when you get asked that question. Okay. So... And if you feel like throwing somebody under the bus, I'll judge by your face. And I'll go, no, you need to give a real answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, nice and easy start on. Who's the most determined person you've ever played in a team with? Emily Nicholl. Good answer. Who's the biggest practical joker in the changing room? Ooh. Beth and Goodwin. Nice. Who is the most gullible? Who's the most likely to fall for the practical joke? Kelly Boyle. You're answering these with real quickness. I quite like it. You're not not sure you're putting. There's no diplomatic. No, definitely her. Until they start asking me questions about it, then I'll need to have a good think about why. It's all right. Well, what what I'll do when I'm editing this is I'll just go and find all their Twitter handles. So when I post the link, I'll just try. You guys might want to watch this. <laughs> Who's most up for a night out? Who's the one that's always trying to get the team out after a, a big session or a big win? Um, Gia Abernethy. Who is that sort of out? Gia Abernethy. Nice. That's a wonderfully <laughs> Scottish name as well. I like that. Yeah, she's Australian, believe it or not. Well, that's, a, that's the most Scottish sounding name I've heard. She yeah, no, she's, she's an Australian. She's our uh, current sidings captain. So she's always oh. looking for a bit of team building. And, uh, you know, if we, if we do win, we, we want to celebrate it. We've, we've definitely missed a trick with her. We definitely should have looked through the grandparents' like family tree for a Scottish heritage name. No, no. 
who has got the most who's got the most fashion sense in the squad? Obviously you all have to wear the same stuff a lot, but who's the most fashionable when they come in for game day? Uh, Beth Dix. Nice. And controversially, who's got the most out there fashion where you think, Oh, I don't know if I'd wear that? Oh. Um not necessarily bad, but just wow. Uh, I think I might say Sarah McField, but she's actually really, really fashionable. But we have completely different body types. <laughs> and I could never pull off what she wears, but she looks really good. So <laughs> That's it's, a nice a, it's actually a big compliment, but I can I can carry it off. I'm too old. <laughs> <laughs> well, just put that in. It's like most out there fashionable says brackets massive compliment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the best dancer in the changing room post game when you've got the tunes on? Um, well, that's a hard one. Let me have a good think. Oh gosh, no one's coming to my mind. That's terrible. It's going to be funny when I ask you the next question, which you can probably guess what it is. I'm going to go with someone who's not currently on the team, but they used to be Jim McNeil. Fair. That means that means you've, somebody's got to take it upon themselves on the next team night out to become the best answer. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be, so, I'll be keeping a close eye next night out. I'll be like, who can I pick next yeah. time? <laughs> so who's the worst dancer by comparison? Jim McNeil. <laughs> she, those, two, those two tend to go hand in hand, that question. Yeah, no, she just goes for it. And uh, she's so bad, she's good. I love that. Again, what, has she got, has she got any notorious dance moves? Any that stick in the brain where you're just like, oh my. Oh, oh there's a few. Yeah. <laughs> We had an 80s night out once um, a long time ago and uh, some of her, her moves in the 80s uh, theme or 80s song were uh, interesting. <laughs> I love it when people just go interested and look away from the cameras. It's like, yeah. nah, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> so, uh, right, future coach, who could you see somebody coaching the national team for the, the next good 20 years or so? Or just a team? Who's like the on-field coach? Um, I think Nick McLeary is quite a good coach. She's a she's a PE teacher as well. Uh, currently does school teams and stuff. But yeah, good answer. Uh, who is hard as nails? Who's somebody you just like? If I ever got in a fight, I'd be happy if she was stood behind me on that side. Well, there's two people. Kelly Boyle would be the scrapper, and Emily Nichols the strong one of the team. She, she's <laughs> the strongest player, so I'll like take that. both of them if I can. <laughs> Great response. I like that. Who's the most natural talent you've ever had? And what I mean by that is, who's somebody that's came into the team or the first time you've played against them and you just thought, this girl knows how to play netball? Like, might not be the most physical or the best athlete, but just... Um, I'm going to say Bethan Goodwin. Really? You'd be surprised with that, but um, I've known her since she was, like, 10 years old. Uh, and she's always kind of stood out as being talented. And, uh, yeah, she's got some good moves on the netball court, for sure. Fair play. And then from that, who's the most natural athlete you've ever just somebody that's just got an engine for days? Um, I want a question. Nice. Right, let's see. Are we near the end? Oh, we've got two left. Who is most likely to order a plain meal at Nando's? No spice. Um. Oh, wait. There is someone who is it? Oh, Callie. <laughs> really? Callie. We went to Nando's. Um. As a team, not that long ago, and she's a she's, she's a plain girl, yeah. Oh no! And last one, who hogs the mirror the most after the game when they're getting ready for their big Sky Sports interview? <laughs> um, oh, Beth Dex. Beth Dex. Oh, well, there you go. Under the team bus, they can all successfully <laughs> say they've been thrown under the team bus by Claire Maxwell. 
Yeah, so, I'm sure a lot of them will have questions after that. <laughs> You'll just get a lot of people in the big group chat, they'll just be like, Claire, question mark. Yeah. Do wonders yeah. for me, it'll be nice if these people actually watch the podcast, it'll be good. And final <laughs> question, Claire, before I let you get on your way, that you enjoy your downtime. You have just won in Birmingham, you've won the World Cup, you've got the trophy, you have now got the team to get ready for a night out, you have to pick three songs. What three songs are you picking? Um, Tell Me Something Good. Brilliant. What a yeah, start. it was our walkout song for the last game we played. Um, Belter. That, absolutely, that's that's a very yeah. classic choice song. I like that. Yeah, we played that before our World Cup, before every match. We used to go out to that. And yes, sir, I can boogie. <laughs> yeah, it's the most scholarly collection of three, and it's by far trumped anything from season one. Yeah, everyone knows the words for them. They're upbeat. I reckon it would get yeah. It is. I reckon. I reckon them. as well if that made it onto Twitter, some if somebody snuck a phone onto the bus, you'd have all the Scot Scotland players from every sport retweeting that. Yeah. That that you you'd unite a country with that <laughs> on a team bus. There'd be nothing more iconic than a team bus of people singing that after a big win. Yeah. No, I right. agree. Claire, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure to finally get you on. Where can they find you on social media or where should they look to follow on social media? The Sirens and everything. Yeah, so you can follow um, Strathclyde Sirens um, like on Instagram at sirens.netball um, also on Twitter and Facebook as well and then myself, it is Maxwell Brownie on Twitter um, or on Instagram Claire underscore B underscore 10 amazing thank you very much all those links will be in the description to everything spotify apple podcasts all the usual stuff there exact same as last season we're only getting bigger and better everybody thank you so much for listening as usual thank you to the sponsor wild haggis as i said before all links down in the description everything you need for protein get it there discount code still applies always a good one check it out down below ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for watching my name is sam matthews over eight minutes podcast is back with a bang see you guys all again next week for another one thank you very much bye Thank you.